Hi, I'm Dan Webster, film critic for Spokane Public Radio and blogger for Spokesman.com. And I'm Mary Pat Truthart, part-time film critic, full-time law professor at Gonzaga University School of Law. And I'm Nathan Weinbender, also a film critic for Spokane Public Radio. And welcome to Movies 101, the show that endures as we head into our 25th year. We've seen a lot of changes over these two and a half decades, from the passing of co-founder Bob Glatzer to the procession of voices that have stepped in as needed before we settled on our current lineup. Endurance is a theme we'll tackle this week in three films, the first of which is All of Us Strangers, a feature that stars the Irish actor Andrew Scott as a man working on a screenplay that forces him to seek out and reconnect with ghosts from his past. Following that will be Society of the Snow, a Spanish-language study by J.A. Bayona of the 1972 airplane crash in the Andes that has already been the focus of dozens of books in a 1993 film starring Ethan Hawke. And finally, we'll discuss Remembering Gene Wilder, a documentary that will kick off the 2024 Spokane Jewish Film Festival. Let's start with a modern ghost story. Adam, played by Andrew Scott, is a lonely screenwriter living in a London high-rise peopled basically by one other soul, Harry, played by Paul Mescal. After rebuffing Harry, who shows up at his apartment door one night, clearly having had a bit too much to drink, Adam has a strange encounter. While visiting his former family home, he meets up with his parents, which is weird because the two of them died years before, leaving Adam to live with his grandmother. This is the setting of All of Us Strangers, a drama about memory and lost innocence and longing and loneliness, all wrapped up in an ongoing dreamscape written and directed by Andrew Hay. Known for such films as Lean on Pete, Looking, which also was an HBO series, and 45 Years, Hay has crafted a poignantly sad story here that ultimately is as artfully acted by Scott and Mescal, but also Claire Foy and Jamie Bell, as it is ultimately both hopeful and bittersweet at once. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a really lovely little movie. And you're right that it is about loneliness and in ways that we don't realize until the very last scene of this movie, All of Us Strangers. But it's also a movie about human connection in all its forms, physical, emotional, spiritual, and even somewhat cosmic. And it's also about how those connections can sort of transcend time and even mortality. As you sort of mentioned, it is a ghost story in a lot of ways. And also because even after people in your life have been gone for a long time, you still sort of imagine what they would be like today. You imagine and what they might what, think about what you. they would think of you yes. if, you know, they were around and saw you now. You imagine the kinds of conversations that you would have mm-hmm. and how they might have changed or not changed over the years that they could have been alive. And so if you can buy into the sort of allegorical trappings of this conceit because that's really what it is and go along with it, then I think that you'll find it extremely moving like I did. And I also agree with you about Andrew Scott. You know, the Academy Award nominations were just announced, and I was bummed that he wasn't included in the Best Actor lineup because it did seem like he might have a shot. You know, he's one of those actors that's kind of been popping up in a lot more things. He blew up on Fleabag on television. It's a remarkable performance because it doesn't reveal itself for such a long time. And then the conversations that he has, especially with, are they ghosts? Are they imagined versions of his parents? 
the one he has with Claire Foy as the mother is maybe the heart of the movie and kind of the entire purpose of what Hay is up to here, I think are really special in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. And then you have his interactions with the Paul Mescal character, who's also great in this, but he's great in everything, as I think we've established on the show. And just sort of the tenderness and the physicality of that relationship is something that has popped up in a lot of Hayes' work, especially his breakout film, Weekend, which was about another love affair that happens between two men that kind of comes out of nowhere. So yeah, I was completely wrapped up in this. I sort of sensed where it was heading. There's, I hesitate to say that there's a twist in All of Us Strangers, but there's a reveal that I kind of saw coming from about a mile away. But I think emotionally it still works, even if you do kind of sense- Maybe um, a half that that's, Okay, sure. A, a few yards at least. <laughs> um, but I think it works. And by the end of it, I was really taken by this. So yeah, All of Us Strangers, it's kind of a sleeper. It came out and didn't get too much attention, but I think it's a really wonderful Well, movie. it got a lot of attention among critics, just yes. in, not among the general public. Or awards bodies. Right. Well, yeah. and also it was a, you know, it didn't appear in the theaters right. until last minute, yeah, uh, right. let's exactly. say. I really did like this film because of the performances. But also, I think that the director gets these performances out of men because, as you pointed out, Nathan, many of his works are focused on male relationships. And I'm thinking most notably, you mentioned it in passing the series, Looking. And, you know, he had some A-list talent to work with there. And he manages to do the same thing with these wonderful actors. They take it to a next level, I think, because the big reveal with Adam and his parents is the fact that he's gay. So they died when he was 12. And even though he had some realization at that point, what his orientation was, that had not been shared with the parents. And I thought the way that they handled it, considering that they have sensibilities from 20 years before, seemed very realistic. And Jamie Bell, who plays his dad, was almost unrecognizable in this film. Billy Elliot, all grown up. Right, right. With a a mustache. Yeah, yeah. And Claire Foy, of course, is great. I mean, we remember her most recently, I guess, from The Crown. But it is this story about what it feels like to be abandoned or have that sense and then try desperately in various ways to reconnect. But at the same time, Adam doesn't want to do that. I mean, he purposely lives in this building that's occupied or I guess the condos are rented by people who are foreign investment folks, because there's only one other person. In this uh, entire building. Yeah, yeah. Which, is building. A, which is a big metaphor, too. Yeah. Right. It, yeah. you know, it's right. not just a plot device. And it has a great view of London, you know, of the city itself. So that's like, I'm here, but I'm separate. Yes. You know, there are two things I wanted to say about it. One is, for people who are sensitive to love scenes, particularly love scenes between men, this movie, All of Us Strangers, is pretty graphic in that sense. So there's your trigger warning, folks. But second of all, to me, what you were talking about, Nathan, what works for me mostly in this movie is the longing. Because a week doesn't go by that I don't think about my father and I think, you know, what would he think of me now, what I've made of my life? Because, you know, in the first 20 years— I was a pretty big disappointment, and I've spent the rest of my life trying to live up to that. And so that— And succeeding. That's how I connected with this film. But I also have to be honest that when it was over, when the house lights went up, I went, what was that? I mean, what am I supposed to think about this? And I did think about it. And 24 hours later, when I woke up the next morning, I went— 
Yes. Okay. Now I get it. And it's going to play out differently to every single person who sees it. And some people are just not going to like it. As we've talked about it, it isn't getting any mention in the award season, but it should have been. In fact, yeah. I might have bumped something off my top 10 list to put this on there. Yeah, or Had honorable I seen mentions it. for sure. I, I'm with you on that. And the movie that I was thinking of watching All of Us Strangers was the recent Celine Siama film, Petite Mama which was about this little girl who sort of magically meets her own mother when she was a child and just kind of becomes her playmate. And there's a certain sense of that here. And I think a lot of other storytellers would have been content to just make all of us strangers about the parent-child relationship. This has the extra element of the relationship between these two men, which, as you say, is very physical. It's very tender. It shows us how they start to become comfortable with one another and start to lean on one another and learn from each other. And I think that that relationship is also so believable, even though there are things about it we discover later on that change our feelings about it in some ways. And I think that there are some really poignant moments in this film, like one when he reaches out to dad and says, I was bullied. I was crying in my room. And why didn't you come in? Right. And And so in All of Us Strangers, the other thing that I liked was the Harry character. You know, we think we know who he is from the first encounter. And he turns out to be something very different and very tender and loving for the most part. Yes. And so I think that I like the fact that it played with my assumptions and preconceptions about what I thought was going to happen. Right. And that was our discussion of all of us strangers. This is Movies 101. It's time to take a short break. Before we go, remember that you can access podcasts of Movies 101 by going online at SpokanePublicRadio.org. While there, check out the individual reviews that Nathan and I write. Don't do it now, though, because we'll be right back to talk about Society of the Snow and Remembering Gene Wilder. You're listening to Movies 101 on Spokane Public Radio. Subscribe to your favorite public radio programs when you become a Spokane Public Radio sustainer, just like any news or entertainment service you use. But unlike those other services, you decide how much you want to pay. Set up an electronic funds transfer and monthly installments will be withdrawn automatically from your account. Plus, you can start or stop your subscription anytime you want. As a sustainer, you help make your public radio station strong. You support your favorite programs, and you never have to wonder when to renew. You're part of the community that sustains public radio. Call 509-328-5729 during business hours or go online to SpokanePublicRadio.org. Click the red Donate button and start the process. Working together, we make our community a better place to work, play, and listen. 70% of our listeners prefer to purchase products and services from public radio program underwriters, according to a recent NPR survey. Spokane Public Radio listeners appreciate program underwriters because they also help support the station and programs they listen to each and every day. You can find information about becoming a program underwriter and our current underwriters on our website at spokanepublicradio.org under business support underwriting. Through this relationship, we can all help keep the region growing strong, whether it's our diverse business community or Spokane Public Radio. And we're back. This is Movies 101, and I'm your host, Dan Webster. 
During the first half of the show, Mary Pat Truthart, Nathan Weinbinder, and I discussed the British feature film All of Us Strangers. Let's now move to a based-on-real-life experience in endurance titled La Sociedad de la Nieve, or Society of the Snow, before ending with the documentary Remembering Gene Wilder and a preview of this year's Spokane Jewish Film Festival. Before that, though, maybe you should pull on a warm jacket— I say that because just thinking about the Spanish-language Netflix film Society of the Snow gives me the chills. Based on Uruguayan journalist Pablo Viersi's 2009 nonfiction book, Spanish filmmaker J.A. Bayona's adaptation is a mostly grim affair. Not bad in the sense of poorly made, though, because it's far from that. Filmed partly on the actual site in the Andes mountain range that separates Argentina and Chile, the film is a superb rendering of a nightmarish experience. Forty-five people, including 19 young Uruguayan rugby players, were on the plane that crashed in the mountains in 1972. Only 16 ended up surviving the 72-day ordeal, their rescue coming when two of the young men courageously hiked for 10 days to get help. From the portrayal of the crash to the acting of the cast, especially that of Uruguayan actor Enzo Varincic, Bayona manages to put a square in the mountain snow and ice. But again, it's a grim story involving cold and death and cannibalism, all captured in a manner that's likely to haunt some viewers long after the screen goes dark. It was strange watching Society of the Snow during a period in Spokane where the temperatures had plummeted. (laughs) And so all you had to do to simulate this experience was go stand outside for five minutes and then try to imagine what it might have been like in Society of the Snow to undergo this for seven weeks or more. So why do we have to have another movie about this experience. I assume most people are familiar with what transpired. Dan gave us an overview. And of course, we have the 1993 film Alive that probably many viewers will be familiar with, starring not... Ethan Hawke, yeah. Right, starring not a Uruguayan rugby player for sure. So (laughs) what does this version bring to us? And I think it does bring a couple of things. First of all, it is a Spanish language film. And so that, I think, resonated for me because it simulated the real experience. Also, because technology has increased, improved, did you notice? Since 1993, some of the scenes, especially the scene of the crash, I thought was really harrowing. And I'm not sure that you could have, well, they didn't pull it off in exactly the same way previously. Also, we don't learn a whole lot about these characters. And it's almost as though they're fungible in some respects until some leaders develop in this Lord of the Flies sort of situation and scenario. And so it's narrated, at least the initial narration in Society of the Snow, focuses on this one individual, Numa. And so we sort of see how these bonds develop. We see how this group of survivors are bonding with one another and fighting and all of the things that you would expect. I liked the way that the filmmaker handled the whole issue of, quote, cannibalism in this film because he almost made it a semi-religious experience. And I think that that would be realistic. So if somebody said to me, hey, you're dead 
And all these other people could use your flesh in order to survive. And so that's the sort of religious parallel. What would you do? And I think most of us, I hope, I trust, I don't know, um, (laughs) would agree that we would happily sacrifice ourselves for our friends. Particularly as in this case, if you didn't know exactly who you were eating. Well, and it makes sense with these characters because they were all from a Christian school and were very religious. And if anything, I feel like the elements of faith that you talk about could have been even more pronounced in this movie because they're sort of soft-pedaled in the original or in Alive, one of the many versions of this story. Right. And so what allowed these particular individuals to survive? And then we find out ultimately after the backlash about their adventures, many of them flourished subsequently and went into the medical field and so forth. But they were young, 20-something, hardy men. And so that was helpful. Reading these stories or hearing these stories about survivors have always fascinated me because I think the natural tendency is to put yourself in this Mm -hmm. situation and what would you do? And I don't think I'd be very good at it. I'm just saying. (laughs) No, especially the cold. You know, the hunger I can deal with, but the cold, that would get me down. 72 days in snow. Oh, yeah. Well, and the thing with Society of the Snow, which we should mention is nominated for a Best International Film Oscar. I mean, it's well made. It's well acted. When I saw that J.A. Bayona was doing this story, this is exactly what I thought the movie was going to be. But I mean, it's two hours of misery and then it's over. I'm most fascinated less by how they survived than what happened afterward. Right. And And there's some good stories. Yes. And I still think there's a movie to be made about this. But again, very well made. I guess it just depends. It's your metal. Like, is this something you want to endure? And if it is, it's on Netflix. Well, it shows your resilience as well. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And that was our discussion of Society of the Snow. Let's finish with something a bit lighter, the documentary Remembering Gene Wilder. First, though, we need to remember Jerome Silberman, who was born in 1933 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He was the boy who would become the man and star of stage and screen Gene Wilder. In Ron Frank's documentary, we learn a lot about Wilder, both through interviews with the likes of his longtime collaborator Mel Brooks and others such as Alan Alda, Carol Kane, and Ben Mankiewicz, but also through passages from Wilder's own audiobook memoir, not to mention scenes from some of his most beloved movies, The Producers, to Blazing Saddles, to Young Frankenstein. Though Wilder's marriage to the ill-fated Gilda Radner, who died young of ovarian cancer, and Wilder's own late-life struggle with Alzheimer's gives Frank's film a dramatic feel, remembering Gene Wilder largely as a warm-hearted film as far from a tabloid hit job as is possible. Yeah, hagiography, essentially. But, I mean, I don't know who would say anything bad about Gene Wilder. I mean, I loved the guy, too. I've loved him since I was a kid. And I saw all of those 70s comedies Mm -hmm. because I loved him from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which is maybe my favorite Wilder performance. I didn't learn a lot from remembering Gene Wilder because I am such a fan of his work. But a few things that I thought were interesting that the studio wanted Mel Brooks to replace him in The Producers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he he had pretty much only been in Bonnie and Clyde up to that point. And then Wilder kind of proved himself. And then the fact, and I don't know how I didn't know this because I've seen Blazing Saddles a billion times, but he replaced Gig Young in that movie. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah know that's that a bizarre um, switch. And then also just the stories about him and Richard Pryor behind the scenes were really interesting mm-hmm. and not what I would have expected at all. But yeah, I mean, this is one of those, we've reviewed a lot of them on the show. This is one of those 90 minutes of, wasn't this person so wonderful? And I agree. Gene Wilder was wonderful. And I think if you don't know much about 
him or his career, this is, you know, something you should definitely check out. I was a little disappointed in the filmmaking. It relies on a lot of really cheap, like, stock footage and photography. And I know this got picked up for theatrical distribution. I hope they change some of that stuff. It felt like placeholder footage a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it just made me want to go watch Young Frankenstein for the millionth and first time. So yeah. I, or the I, producers. I mean, or, oh, yeah. or even Silver Blazing Streak. Saddles. Yeah. Yeah. Or I wanted Stir to go crazy. watch Frisco yeah. Kid again. Oh, yeah, with Harrison Ford. Right, exactly, because that was such a bizarre premise to begin with, this Polish rabbi going to the Wild West and so forth. You know what? This is almost, I'm not going to use the term hagiography, but it is, as Frank, the director, Ron Frank, he said in interviews, it was his intent to write a love letter to Gene Wilder. And that's what it is. So there's no mention at all of not one, but two divorces before he ever married Gilda Radner. The man was married four times. That is true. There's also a documentary out there that I saw at, I think, the Seattle Film Festival one year that's about Gilda Radner. So you can do a double feature. I probably appreciated most this sort of development of the relationship between Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. Yeah. Because that was happening at a time where that was more unusual. And when they were both going through really difficult periods in their lives, too. Right, exactly. And I think that, just a little side note, I did wait on Gig Young at the Sheraton Hotel in Philadelphia in 1976 when I was a cocktail waitress. And all of the rumors about his excessive alcohol intake were absolutely (laughs) true. Did he have his Academy Award with him? He did not. He did not. Yeah. Okay. So the reason why we're talking about the Gene Wilder film, Remembering Gene Wilder, is because it is the opening film at the Spokane Jewish Film Festival on Saturday, January 27th at the Montvale Event Center, 1019 West 1st. The festival continues with in-person events and online screenings through January 31st and then February 5th through the 8th. For tickets and scheduling information, go online at sajfs.org. And that was Remembering Gene Wilder, which will open the 2024 Spokane Jewish Film Festival. And this is Movies 101. I'm Dan Webster. And earlier in the show, Nathan Weinbinder, Mary Pat Truthart, and I discussed all of us strangers and society of the snow. Let's take this moment to thank Cassie Fox for both producing and engineering the show. And we thank you to our loyal listeners. We invite you back next week, same time, same spot on the radio dial, when we'll again check out all the best that cinema has to offer wherever we can find it. Until then, consider these words from the late great writer James Baldwin. Beyond talent lie all the usual words, discipline, love, luck, but most of all, endurance. You're listening to Movies 101 on Spokane Public Radio. The Movies 101 podcast is made possible by the members of Spokane Public Radio. Become a member at spokanepublicradio.org. Thanks for listening to Movies 101.